2: That's greenlight.com slash ACAST.
3: Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. You know, I'd start this by saying, hey, today we're going to do something different and special. But you may have noticed in the last few weeks, uh, we've really been zeroing in on a number of very important topics, especially around diversity and inclusion. Because we just have to. It is the right thing to do. And so every so often, I'm going to bring you something that's going to go deep into a particular community. You heard it a couple of weeks ago on A State of Revolt. You heard it the week before on the DI Summit. And today, we're going to talk about Pride Stars. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be part of the LGBTQ community. And I am so grateful and honored that so many of our Pride Stars joined us today to share how they're feeling, how they're leading, and the actions they recommend everyone can take to make a difference. And I'm exceptionally thrilled to bring back Sarah Kate Ellis, who's the CEO of GLAAD. She is moderating today's session, and I just hope you enjoy hearing from each of these wonderfully gifted, bright incredible artists, creators, producers, owners, about their world. And hopefully if we can all just tune in and just listen and then act, we can make a difference. So with that, and without further ado, please enjoy today's episode of Pride Stars.
4: Hi everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Lisa Granitstein, Adweek's Editor, SVP of Programming. Welcome to Pride, Protests and Progress. A lot has happened in a few short months, a global pandemic and recession, along with social injustices that have once again come to the forefront of our national consciousness. From Me Too to Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ rights, a tectonic shift is underway with real change happening in real time. But it's not without a fight. On the four-year anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting, the Trump administration announced it was rolling back healthcare protections for those people who are transgender. On the side of progress, the Supreme Court's ruling to protect LGBTQ workers from discrimination could sideline those very policies the administration hopes to revoke. It seems like every day there's something new and intense to process. Thankfully, joining us here is an amazing group of talented media and marketing leaders who are part of Adweek's first class of Pride Stars. The 15 honorees named in this pride-themed issue of AdWeed were chosen not just for the way they shine in their fields, but also for their advocacy. And some of them are with us here today. They will share their thoughts and personal experiences on pride, protests, and progress. And we are also extremely fortunate to have the indomitable Sarah Kate Ellis, Vlad's president and CEO as our host. Before I turn it over to Sarah Kate and the group, as you listen in we encourage you to consider ways to support the lgbtq community's ongoing fight for equality and acceptance now over to you sarah kate
2: good morning thank you lisa and happy pride to everyone who's on this call um, so just for those who don't know glad is a over 30 year old LGBTQ advocacy organization. And um, our job is to shift culture. We work in the court of public opinion, opening hearts and minds. And so that's why I love working uh, with Adweek and with all the great work that they do because they're in that business as well, changing hearts and minds. So the way we're going to go about this today, because we have a Fabulous panel and we have a lot of them. We have 10 people on our panel today. I have about three questions And we're going to do this round-robin style. So I'm going to start with one person um, With the question and then we'll start to jump around and then if you have questions as the audience members Please put them in the chat and at the last 10 minutes. We're going to get to some of those questions. So the people that I, the first person, anybody, the first time you speak on our panel, please introduce yourself, give your title and the company that you work for, and let's get started. Uh, Randall, do you want to talk about how you're feeling today um, and how you're navigating what's happening?
5: You know what? um, Hi, and great to see all these great panelists that um, I share the stage with, and so thank you. My name is Randall. Tucker and I am the Chief Inclusion Officer for MasterCard, a great organization that I think everyone knows our logo and our name of our company just by um, those two interconnected circles. How am I feeling today? I'm exhausted. It's Friday. I am completely exhausted. And I think as an inclusion leader, my job is to be exhausted if, if I'm doing the right thing. On the backdrop of a global pandemic, making sure that all of our employees even if they're at home, feel like they're connected and they belong and they're included. And then all the things that we're doing within um, the black community to ensure that we say that we want to do more and we want to do better. And so I'm really proud of us that we were able to get a solidarity letter out yesterday that shows the action plan of what we're going to do to make sure that we are, you know, the company of choice when it comes to employment, to our brand, uh, experience as well as a community partner within the black community and not to say I am gay and I'm black. So then the piece, the LGBT piece that's on top of that, uh, not only does it make sense to be, um, a hundred percent on the CEI HRC score, but there's a lot more work that we're doing. And this is one of those steps that we're doing it, to even be a part of this. So thank you.
2: That's wonderful. Kendra, Would you like to pick up and give us from, it is, it's very important, this pride, to be intersectional. Can you talk a little bit about how you're feeling about that and what steps you're taking around that? Yeah,
6: thanks. Um, I'm Kendra. I'm a chief product officer with Mindy, a CBD sports company. Um, I think it's really uh, great that we're having this conversation, and I think that with this opportunity, it's a perfect time for us to, you know, commit to that within our, our foundations of our company. Um, So Mindy was able to navigate that pretty quickly and really uh, start promoting, you know, what we believe is true for, um, you know, everything that we do with our brand imperatives down to our products, down to our consumers Um, just kind of, You know speaking for the marginalized community so i think that that's you know something that's been with our company forever
2: that's wonderful um alan would you like to jump in introduce yourself and let us know how you're feeling today
7: sure i um first of all good good morning good afternoon it's um it's a pleasure frankly to be around so many amazing people Um, and having such an important conversation. I'm Alan Shaw. I'm the president and chief technology officer of Recycletrack Systems. Recycletrack Systems really quickly is a recycling and waste management company that works with municipalities and companies to reduce their impact on climate change. So we're doing our part to help save the planet. Um, That aside, let's talk about what's happening today. Frankly, there's a lot of people that are uncomfortable and that's okay. I think that uncomfortable feeling that's being felt throughout the world, frankly, is what's going to be the raw fuel that's going to really start to drive some change, and we must make sure that we keep that momentum. We have to keep this conversation going. Um, I had an interesting conversation the other day with a friend, and um, they were well-intended, frankly, um, and 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 Sarah, Sarah, Kate. What they basically said was, "Hey, congratulations on the on the Supreme Court ruling." I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, congratulations. You know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud of you." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let's calm that down a little bit." Um, you know, we shouldn't take, it shouldn't have to uh, require the Supreme Court in the United States to, um, to frankly reaffirm that we should never have even contemplating terminating someone because of their sexual orientation. Um, we, 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 we covered that 200 years ago with the Constitution. We covered that again with suffrage. We covered it again with the Civil Rights Movement. And so, you know, how I'm feeling right now is really two things. A, we, we can't allow us to go back to BAU. That, that, is, that will be a fail. So we must keep the conversation going and we must keep this uncomfortableness um, um, happening so that we, that we actually do something about it. And second, this is not a favor. Being treated equally Thank is you. not a favor to, to our community. And so while I'm am, I am very happy that the Supreme Court reaffirmed what we already should know, let's, let's make sure that common decency and common sense prevail.
2: Alan, you said it beautifully. I have been giving a lot of interviews, especially on the Ober- Obergefell um, ruling. For it's the five year anniversary today, I, and I think people, reporters were like, "Are you excited?" And I was like, "Really?" For my yeah. basic human right. Um, so um, I, I feel like uh, Ryan, you were. You, I saw a lot of head nods there. Um, you want to take it from here and let us know what your thoughts are on all this.
8: For sure. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Ryan Sides, uh, senior director and acting vice president of social media for BET. Um, and I, I echo a lot of Alan's sentiments. Um, I think it's one of those things where I think we've arrived at a place. Uh, I think we've arrived at a place where, like these victories, because they're so hard-fought, Pyrrhic even um, at times, um, people are just like excited for any type of progress. And I don't want like that excitement for the progress to overshadow the fact that like some of these fights should not have had to have been fought in the first place. Um, very much like super tired of like of like just like the volume of things that we're dealing with at the moment, um, both on the black front and the gay front, um, and like living at those intersections, um, and like these being like hard fought battles that like have preceded me, um, and I think one of the things that like is also like uh, an important part of the conversation that like needs to continuously brought to the forefront is um, while like, you know, we all link hands around like gay rights and like the larger, like LGBT spectrum bringing a focus to trans rights and like the more, the more marginalized of the marginalized communities, right? Like making sure that like um, there's like specific attention called to those things and like where, um, our trans brothers and sisters sit within, like, our larger LGBTQ community.
2: I love that. That's um, really true. I and mean, Michaela, I was coming right to you, so
9: hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Oh, thank you very much, Kate. I love all of you. doing. do it. Glad and uh, love to get our organizations working together. I'm uh, CEO of Poya West a group of restaurants in California, but uh, I'm also founder of a group called Trans Can Work. And Transcan Work got founded out of the work we did in our restaurants when we hired about 50 transgender individuals over a period of several years, and and the experiences that we had with that, which were so positive, both for the customers and for the employees, and and for um, you know our whole staff. So you know we brought the, we decided to start Transcan Work and bring that out across the country, and we focus on creating inclusive spaces where we. But, not, but by making, as you said, cultural change. I'm really focusing on opening hearts and minds and, and creating cultural change within organizations. And then we connect them with people from our community uh, for employment. I wanna say it's certainly been a painful time, um, but I am hopeful. I mean, this is a cliche, there's darkness before the dawn, but you know, out of this suffering, I hope we will see real change mm-hmm. and that will focus on real social change not just Band-Aids, not just be satisfied that some cops get prosecuted. There's real social social, and cultural change that needs to happen in this country.
2: I agree. Um, Robin, you look ready to jump in.
0: You know me, I'm always ready to jump in. You are. So I'm, I'm Robin Streisand, I am founder and CEO of The Mix, a creative agency based in New York City. And I'm also the founder and CEO of a collective of agencies called Titanium Worldwide. Um, How am I feeling? Well, I guess it really depends on the minute, the moment, who we're talking to, Um, hopeful, energized, scared to death, and really pissed off. Um, I'm a mom of two kids. My wife and I were both CEOs and business owners. We're certified LGBT-owned and operated, and um, we're business leaders. We're voices in the community, and uh, we're we're advocates for all people and equality. And we're about making a difference and giving back. Uh, I have to say, I'm finding myself. Um, out of sorts from, at at times, and yet like raging bull, like at the forefront leading the way. Um, It's pride. It's my New Year's Eve. It's my celebration weekend. And we are quiet and we are respectful and we are listening and we are here together. And it's a privilege to be on this panel. And um, thank
2: you for having me. Thank you. Um, Rachel, how are you doing?
10: Hi everyone. Uh Rachel Rapino here. I'm the one of the founders and CEO of Mindy. Like Kendra said, we're a cannabis sports brand. Um, you know, and we're a very young company, like very young. We're about to celebrate our one year anniversary. So, you know, this is definitely how am I feeling? i I think I need to echo everyone. Like this is heavy. Um, I do feel hopeful. Um and I feel ignited, you know? I mean, this is a this is a crazy time to be navigating a very young startup through. Luckily, I have a, an amazing team. And like Kendra said, I mean, we came to market championing equity and equality first and foremost, we, before we even sold one CBD product. Um, so, you know, we laid the, the foundation this past year to be able to participate in these conversations. And obviously on an individual level, like this is very near and dear to our heart. Um, you know, so we're obviously doing everything we can in a space to kind of level the playing field in the CBD space as well as the sports space in general. But it's this is tricky. You know, I mean, you're talking about a pandemic, you're talking about um, election coming up, you know, national uprising and um, racial inequality. So it, it, it definitely is a little tricky to, to know what the best business decisions are to make. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Mindy is fighting for a more, a more equitable future—a future that you know keeps all people um, protected and safe. Um, you know, we champion—you know, Black lives, trans lives, gay lives—you know, you name it. We want everyone to thrive. So I think for us, like we just we feel ignited, and we just want to listen and you know use our our platform to speak up and support in the ways that we can, and in the lane that you know we can make the most impact.
2: Thank you. That's wonderful. And Rigel, how are
11: yeah. you feeling? Um, well, great to meet everyone. I'm Rigel um, Rigel Cable, aka, because I'm a Gemini, I have two identities, Rigel Gemini. Um, as Rigel Cable, I am leader of analytics and SEO at Astound Commerce, um, where we work with data, and um, we're an agency that does web design, strategy, creative, and development for large e-commerce companies. Um, and then on the other side as Rigel Gemini. I'm a social media influencer, an Instagrammer, um, and now music artist. So um, how am I feeling? I think this year is a roller coaster, but honestly every year is a roller coaster and I think just more people are on the roller coaster this time than before. And I think that's part of the protests that have been used to amplify this issue that's been important every year and every Pride. Um, And I'm thinking a lot about the meaning of Pride, um, which is a reason I'm honored to be on this panel today. What does Pride mean this year um, in 2020? Um, it's almost the end of Pride Month. What has happened? What has Pride been for our community? And um, I think as we are coming together virtually and trying to center the right voices, um, it's been really important to use our, our privilege and our positions to put the right voices forward and in the spotlight. Um, working with brands um, in my day-to-day, it's been really interesting to see how brands have responded to pride and black lives matter and coronavirus and like one of our clients calvin klein had the first black trans woman on a billboard and in their advertising so i just think it's been really fascinating to watch how this all unfolds and um but i'm i'm still happy with pride that we have this time to be together
3: yes that's great
2: i agree um shelly
12: hi i'm shelly mcmara i'm the chief diversity and inclusion officer at uh, at Procter and Gamble, um, effective July first, my title will actually become Equality and Inclusion Officer, um, which is actually is is actually a meaningful shift, right? Um, equality is our desire, right, for all, and inclusion that feeling of belonging we want for everybody. So, um, so I, how I'm feeling right now. The, my first response was, I'm deeply feeling. You know, moment to moment, I have deep feelings, and they go from one extreme to the other, right? Um, you know, the elation of having the Supreme Court ruling. Um, the depth of anguish and seeing the the uh, depth and the rawness of the racism that exists in our country, really painful. Um, and then I have optimism and hope. So my wife and I have three daughters. Um, and so when I think about being hopeful, I think of two things. One is my kids and my company. I'll say my family, so that includes my wife. Um, but, you know, all three of our daughters, our oldest is 22, and then we have twins that are 20. And they were in the protests, right? And it was important to them to show up, to be physically there, to be vocally there. Um, and, and they really are, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's incredible. i like, I work for a company that has supported me through many years of being an open lesbian who pushed for change an open lesbian who drove and influenced culture and policy, and I'm still there. I'm at Procter & Gamble, and we're just doing some really cool things. So really proud of my kids that in this moment, they're pushing me a few times. I even got the, Mom, you're a chief diversity officer. This is, you know, you need to think about it this way. So I love that. I'm continually learning. Um, I'm not 22, so there's a, I look at the world a bit different. So grateful for my kids. Uh, and our kids and how they're pushing us. And I'm really grateful for for the company that I work for. Um, If you haven't had a chance to see some of the films we've produced as a company, um, uh, the look and the talk um, really highlight, um, you know, the experience of of black Americans and some of the challenging moments, like having that talk with your kid the first time they're driving, um, right? The look, right? Which, you know, black men in particular know, uh, walking into many places, right? A retail outlet and what's the look you get? We're really proud that we're doing work that is really communicating that um, we need to to really take a raw look at the bias that holds us back um, and really keeps creating pain for all of us. Um, We also released uh, a um, uh, a film um, called The Pause. And if you haven't seen that, that just came out last week. Um, It's a universal experience for those of us in the LGBTQ community, right, it's that pause. Um, matter of fact, I wrote a poem called No Blanks, No Pauses many, many, many years ago. Um, and the pause is that moment, right, where you're, you know, it's like for me, we're walking through customs and the customs guy says, oh, are the two of you a family? Are you traveling together? And what's your relationship? And you pause and you go, do I say wife? Right? I want to say wife. But there's that moment, right? That's an uncomfortable moment. Um, and, and one that that we, uh, we highlight through the film that says, um, you know, it's, it's our one of our commitments as PNG, right, is to use our voice and highlight the barriers and the challenges that we have in our distinctive aspects of our identity, right, this, that we have. So, so so, I end on saying the I'm grateful to be in the company that I'm with because we care about equality and we're taking a lot of actions. Um, we work really closely with Sarah Kate and, and her team. Um, and so I'm just glad to be here among all of you today and um, yeah. doing what we can every day. It's the only thing that lets me get out of bed every day, honestly, is we're going to make change.
2: Yeah, and you, you really are. Um, we just released a study with PNG that looked at how non-LGBTQ Americans view advertising that is LGBTQ inclusive. And it was jaw-dropping in that it was really positive. Non-LGBTQ people want to see LGBTQ people in ads because it mm-hmm. helps them build acceptance and think better of the company. It's, it's, we'll share it with you all. Um, it's really profound. And I think it goes across social justice movement. The American people want to be educated, and advertising is the perfect way to do that. And last, but definitely not least, we have Benjamin Lord, who's going to bring the beauty to us.
1: Hey, hi. Um, it's super good to be here um, and humbled you know, to be uh, uh, with you all. Uh, so my name is Benjamin. Uh, I'm the CMO of Mira Beauty. It's a new uh, beauty marketplace. I come from uh, NARS Cosmetics. So I've been in makeup and beauty for, for a while. It's a very exciting industry when it comes to creat- creativity, self-expression. Um, I'm a gay immigrant man. I'm going to... Um, welcome my first child with my husband in September. And it's a little scary, you know, to think about the world, you know, you're going to bring, um, you know, uh, a child in. So um, I share, you know, the same sentiments, you know, it's very, I have mixed feelings about um, the current situation. I'm sure it's different for everybody. Um, I would say that quarantine and social distancing didn't allow us to really, you know, come together physically. Um, and it's been poorly really tough, a lot of kids in the country, you know, still feel very motivated and using you know, their time to really promote uh, uh, people in the community. So I think it's been rough and, uh, of course, you no know, country went through a major, major racial crisis, uh, which led to more trans violence overall. Um, so it's tough, right? Um, but In a way, I also think, you know, it's really brought us closer. Um, The LGBTQ community knows about oppression. So we've been able to really, you know, come together. Um, So I'm also hopeful, but I also want to be real about the challenges we have to to face. And uh, pride is for everyone, it's for every marginalized group. And there are quite a lot these days.
2: Beautifully said. So I think, and you, you hinted towards this, which is we are at a pivotal moment and um, it's pivotal on so many levels. And I'd love to hear from you all. And maybe we start with um, Randall. We'll start with Randall. My next question is what do you see as the biggest challenges Um or opportunities. I like to think of them as opportunities for the LGBTQ community. I know we've touched on a few of them, but I think it's right. good to expand on them now.
5: Well, I mean, for, for me and, and our organization uh, within the LGBTQ plus community, I think it's around um, transgender rights and equality and make it especially within the black and brown community in the women um, to make sure at a baseline to live. I mean, it's a life or death situation. And uh, I think we have, that's where the house is burning. And um, what we are trying to do at MasterCard across the board from our people, for what we do um, externally in society partnerships, as well as from a marketing efforts to make sure (laughs) that transgender people feel like they belong and are welcome within our four walls of our organization. Um, but I, I'd like to call out that what we're really excited about um, in our move for progress, and our move to ensure that we're doing the best that we can, is the launch of True Name. And so True Name, if, if you're not aware of it, uh, is that we know that non-binary and people that are transgender have a really tough time just getting any name of the chosen name on their documents. And so what we said was, and it came from one of our business resource group, a network group that said hey, let's think about from a marketing perspective, Um, And a brand perspective, what tools and resources can we make life easier for people, especially within that community? And so on the card, you can put your true name. You can put your chosen name on the card. It's not that hard. And what we've done is try to work with LGBT um, uh, banks and institutions, as well as our customers, uh, to make sure that we're able to cascade it throughout all areas of the U.S. as well as the world, hopefully. And so we're really excited about that. But then that's one piece of it. The other side is what are we doing for our employees? And so, again, our, our BRGs or our network group said, you know what? We need the pronouns in all of our signatures. So, again, it goes back, how do I belong? How do I feel valued? And how do I feel like I'm being identified for the person that I am? So I'm really excited to work for a company. But, again, transgender rights, equality, inclusion, especially within the brown and black community is paramount.
2: I, th- I think that's beautifully said. And I think that you combine like two of my questions, which are, where do you think are the biggest challenges, opportunities, and what should we be doing? And I think I'm going to start posing the question like that. And I will kick it over to you, Michaela, um, to build on what Randall was saying and, and approach that question as well.
9: Thank you. Uh, Randall, uh, a real shout out from me. Um, thank you for identifying, you know, the community, the most marginalized community Mm -hmm. within the LGBT spectrum. Um, And the non-binary is is, uh, easily the fastest growing segment in LGBT and the challenges that our community faces, especially those of color, are tremendous. I mean, uh, even before the pandemic, trans women and non-binary women of color um, were seven times more likely to be living in poverty under $10,000 a year. And now with the pandemic, that problem is just going to blow up. And uh, the fact that people like all of you are are willing to, you know, uh, put real effort into solving these issues is so important. I want to say that um, I think the biggest challenge is properly identifying the problem and and not uh, letting ourselves, um, uh, the steam run out of our engines on the way to really solving, truly solving it. Um, I think the problem is not just policy and practice. Certainly laws, changing laws are going are to help, but it's also, you know, so, so much of it is social and, and cultural and sociological. And if we don't really make social change and use all of this fire that we've walked through, I mean, I feel like we've all been forged like a, you know, like a piece of steel through a mill that we can use this to really make change. And I hope that we have that energy and that will to do it.
2: I agree. And Robin, you've been at this for a long time. Yes. I know that. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on, you know, it is it is a new day. Um, yeah. And this COVID-19 has brought forth and sort of opened up all the problems um, and really put a, has has put a light on it. Um and now we can we can potentially solve them um where yeah. do you think we start and and what what's the next step? What are the challenges, and what are the next steps yeah.
0: so let's be clear we're we're not going back it's like not, not even an option anymore and and I think one of the challenges is to realize that and and embrace that because I think people are, have a, a natural tendency to just divert to what they know and go back to whatever normal is. I think the opportunity is that we have to, um, we have to stay together. And I, I think, too, people go, they do these panels, they you know, show up at the events or the conferences, and then they go back into their world, and it's head down. And you know, this is really a moment for us to stay to stay together, but also to really um, go beyond what we would normally do and get others to also do good with us. I'm finding myself bringing people into the conversation in a way that they might've never looked at it before. Brands are making pivots about looking at themselves in versus out. And then also looking at what's happening around them, around their own unconscious bias about how, how uncomfortable everybody is and really owning up to the fact that this is the new normal and The sooner you start to look at the colors on the page and bring them in and get used to it. Like, I, you know, I've been in this marketing space for 30 years, having brands look at diverse audiences, not because of. That we're gay or black or white or yellow, but more about the alignment about who we are as people, how we buy, how we shop, who we are and how brands align with us. And now more than ever, it's not about just having a brand write, you know, a seven figure check. It's like, what, what is writing that check mean? And where is it going? And what kind of impact is it going to have on the economy, on these communities, and actually making a difference? so it's like an opportunity and a challenge. It's a shame that, that we had to get to this place in order for people to wake up and see what's happening. And, you know, I could say that I'm proud of my agency. Like, we have adapted in a way that I would have, my people have risen to this occasion in a way That I could have only dreamed or read about in a book. And it's just about recognizing where we all are as humans and embracing and helping each other along the way. One
9: more minute.
2: That's great. You know, I'm going to go to you, Ryan, and I'm going to toss a hard one to you, actually. so I don't know if you've seen the latest reports, and, and, and I can jump in with you on this one, but um, one of the things is is that marketing agencies are actually using in advertising on social media, they don't want to have their ads next to, and they have these these words, keywords, so George Floyd, so if it's a George Floyd or a protest. And what struck me most about it when I was reading about it this morning was they called it controversial issues and i thought similar to what alan was saying how is someone's humanity and dignity controversial and how are we going to shift that thinking how do you change that i mean that's a big question so sorry ryan
8: (laughs) definitely definitely a big question um i think it is i think it's twofold i think it is both Mm -hmm. by education and by force right like Um, there are some instances where you just have to, you just have to do the thing for the sake of doing the thing. Like we all on this call understand like that the information needs to be there, that the representation needs to be there, that these people need to be spoken for or spoken on behalf of championed for advocated. Um, And that's just, that's just like the bottom line. Like these are things that like are non-negotiables at this point. Um, But then like also providing the education or providing a place for people to find the things or like seek out the things that they need to know to be able to educate themselves. Like it's a a twofold process. Um, Because if you wait for people to get comfortable, if you wait for people to come out of like their place of complacency or like what they're used to or familiar with, they won't ever do that. Um, None of like the hard fought victories, whether they were civil rights, whether they were gay rights, whether they were women's rights, none of these victories were won without forcing people to to these uh, realizations. And then being able to, like, have those conversations about, like, these, this is why this is wrong. This is why we need this thing. This is why these things are important. This is the humanity. And it's, like, it's hard to be in a position to, like, have to acknowledge that you have to fight for someone to see your humanity. Um, but it is just the nature of the beast right now. And it is a part of, like, where we are in realizing, like, that that better place that we're trying to get to.
2: That's great. Thank you. Alan, um, I I also think that baby is just too much. (laughs) I I mean, that is pure joy. Um, So, you know, um, I think we've um, used an excuse called unconscious bias for a while now. Um, And I read the other day someone said, if you're still saying all lives matter, then you don't read. And you're trying not to educate yourself and so I you know kind of like what Ryan said excuses are over you either have to show up how do you feel about that and do you think that's part of this pivotal moment is you can't fall back on that any longer
7: I I, so I'm gonna build on both Ryan and Robin and and I love Robin she always gives me so much amazing energy and so it's good to see you Robin So, quick story, and then I'll get into it, right? I was was at a previous company where I was the Chief Operating Officer of Cybersecurity, large bank, massive bank, and uh, we had a conversation in particular about why do we have single-digit numbers as relates to the African-American community in particular at our company, when as you know in the United States we're about 13%, but if you look at the communities that you might serve, it might be even a higher percentage and so I heard people talk about we need more stickers and I'm like stickers we need more programs I'm like we don't need any more stickers or programs just hire black people and it went silent and I'm like hire more black people why is this so difficult and so I to your point I think you have to be intentional and as a black queer executive that's an entrepreneur I have to be intentional I have to be very specific about who, I, who I'm hiring and why I need to hire more trans people, more black people, more, more women, right, et cetera. You have to promote, you have to lift as you climb, you have to promote and pull that pull that talent through and, and stop making up excuses as to why this particular individual is not ready for, for, for a new opportunity. You have to hold others accountable, right? Sometimes people get really comfortable in that seat that they're in and they don't wanna give up that power, right? And so you have to hold them accountable and say, look, maybe it's time for you to do something new because it's time for new blood. Um, you have to invest in entrepreneurs. We have to create more um, brown and women and LGBT entrepreneurs, so that they create networks that they can create and hire and promote. And lastly, we have to elect more LGBT people of color um, elected officials. We have to. We 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 had a great some great wins recently with Mondaire and and Richie Torres here in New York City. We need more of that. So you 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 can't create change if the people around the table are not um, are not close to the problem. They're not, they don't have proximity. So uh, yeah, that's my thought.
2: That's brilliant. And I will say vote, vote, vote. Um, right. I appreciate you bringing that up. I'm also going to say to the audience, please, um, if you have Q and A, Any questions that are coming up, we're gonna do that in about 10 minutes, so please get those questions in. And then I'm gonna turn to Shelly, because you oversee an enormous pipeline, pipeline. That's the Mm -hmm. other excuse, right, Alan, that they throw? It's like, well, we don't have it in the pipeline, you gotta build the pipeline, you gotta, and and it is, it's just hire more Black people, hire more trans people. Um, And um, I think BlackRock, actually, um, I don't know if anybody follows the investment world, but BlackRock just made some pretty big announcements on how they're going to sort of unblock themselves, if you will. So Shelly, I'd love to hear from you running a big company, what that looks like and, and how do you meet those challenges?
12: Yeah, so I was um, sitting here going, oh, I, I need to raise my hand. I want to comment after Alan. Um, so I, the first word I wrote down when you asked the question was visibility and its visibility and representation like who shows up and who's in the room matters a lot right who's in the room makes the decisions own the resources guides the organization um so it's it's incredibly important um the second thing is leadership right you know it's who leads and how do they lead like we absolutely have to work on that so yes we need more people of color we need more multicultural people need more people from the lgbtq community um, and we need to be, be deliberate about the work that we do on culture. So we, we need all that. We've been doing a few things, very proactively, very intentionally, because corporate America has to be urgent and take action, right? So um, we have um, targets. So we have specific targets for gender. We have specific targets for, uh, in the U.S., for African Americans, for APA, for Hispanic, and we work against those. And the, the rallying cry that we have with our leadership of the company are three words expectations, accountability and capability. Um, And we have built that in. It's not bolted on in a separate thing, but it's actually built in and integrated in. Um, One of the ways we build accountability, I'll just give you one example is, um, I have a scorecard that I work with our talent practice, our analytics leader of the company. We have really a scorecard that we have for each of our most senior executives. And we call it the president report card. And It has every segment that I just told you about. So, and quantitative data including things, right, that are relevant to whether we are, you know, achieving and making progress or not. Um, and we not only review those quarterly, but I sit down with the CEO and go over each one of his direct reports. I go over with our chief operating officer. Similarly, and we have a dialogue, like, where are we? Where is this leader making progress? Where are they not? Right? So it is some of the words Alan said, right? It's about, it's about expectations. And you have to translate those into something that people understand, and then hold people accountable. Um, and then the capability word is important because it's, it's a continuous journey. We're all still learning. I've been doing this work and in this work and living uh, as a member of a marginalized community for much of my life, and I still learn all the time. So that commitment to capability is really important. Visibility is essential. Um, as we move, one last thing I'd say, as we move to our new platform, our new technology platform, we're finally giving our employees the opportunity to self identify in a broader way across gender and across sexual orientation. Right. And that's so important because, again, we're all, you know, there's intersectionality, right, intersectional human beings. And we have these very linear ways and compartmentalized ways that we ask them to define. And we need to see people value them for their whole being um, and then find a way to get. And the data does matter. So it does matter when we see two or more races. It does matter when someone says, I'm African-American. That's my identity. Um, I'm super passionate about this. Sarah, Kate, I could talk for a long time.
2: I know. I love that. And that brings up the census which I believe you can still fill out and you must fill out the census. If we are not counted, then we don't count. It's that simple. Um, I'm going to go over to Rachel and Kendra as CEOs, as founders. What Shelly's talking about is really a top down approach, right? Like it starts with you. You set the tone. You, I know when I was at, when I was in magazine publishing, our CEO and more had board requirements for diversity and inclusion. So it became a priority for her. Um, How do you build that in at the top?
10: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to echo what everyone just said. When you're talking about opportunities and challenges for not just the LGBTQ community, but just for everyone at large, it is truly representation, full stop. It, you know, Represent diversity is not just about having more black people, brown people, trans people, you know, gay straight people at the table. It's about telling the full story. I am a white gay woman. Um, It doesn't matter how educated I am. I'm going to miss a piece of someone else's story because I have a different experience living in this country and living in this world. So if you truly care about diversity and that is something obviously that we hope every company, you know, is having a reckoning within themselves and that they care about, you have to tell the full story. And in order to do that, you have to have more diversity at your table, on your team, when you're taking money, you know, you got to have diversity on your cap table because you need those voices to be heard. That is truly how this world is going to be a better place for everyone. I love that.
2: Kendra, do you have to add to that?
10: Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think with
6: everything that's been said today, um, it's sometimes we find ourselves like in Portland, Oregon, I feel like everybody's on my team. (laughs) And, you know, where I need to step out as a leader is I need to hire that person that actually isn't already on our team, but I'm going to bring them into the fold as well, um, and including them as well, um, but also putting, you know, uh, Black people, minorities, um, LGBTQ at that leadership position. So when I'm, when we go to hire someone that's going to be a manager or make those dis- business decisions, they need to have that diversity, um, equity and inclusion, you know? So I think that's really where we'll, we'll get a leeway. Um, Megan Rapino, one of our athlete ambassadors says you cannot win championships without the gays. You just can't. Um, I really believe that with, with success, with business, you cannot win. Um, you cannot be successful without, you know, all the team players.
10: Yeah. And, and like Alan said, I mean, it's really, it's not rocket science, hire, more diverse people, hire blacks, hire people of color, hire women, hire trans, hire, you know, sh- gay, straight, you name it. Like, it's just not rocket science, but it's, it's a choice and it's, it's a commitment that everyone, every company needs to make.
2: Benjamin, I'd love for you to chime in at this moment and and talk about from a marketing perspective, how do you, how do you make yourself interesting or intriguing to diverse people? I mean, not only do you have to hire them, but they have to actually want to come to your company. And I think that at this moment in time, people are looking at what companies do to decide whether or not they want to share their talents there. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you don't mind, actually, I would like to you kind know, like, of you know go back to what we just discussed, and and, and I think advertising and what you send out, out there is very much tied to culture anyway and your leadership internally. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't think it's actually that simple always uh, to make you know people understand um, how we receive things. Um, and I found you know the being humble about it and. Sitting with people and really talking about um, what's not working is actually very effective. Coming in a room and you know being like it's not work science and, and you're absolutely right, Robin. I just don't think that's usually you know super productive because we've known that for years. Before a lot of folks, you know, they, they actually don't. They they've never really you know um, understood or or you know talked about these things. Um, and there is a level of discomfort, you know, which Alan mentioned earlier. So. I think it's actually important to talk about microaggressions as well and um, i'm very lucky to work with a very young team so the new generation is going to be different and we're super excited about that but microaggressions are going to be a big thing you know and and that comes from a place where you just don't know so um, from a leadership standpoint i think it's important to have these tough conversations internally to make people more aware of how you receive, you know, things, basically in you know, comments. And um, I would say that it's critical to show your values um, externally, but it's also very important to show them internally. You know, we're talking about systemic change. So, you know, how do we start normalizing them tags, pronoun pins for everyone, right? Not just for who's, you know, request them. Uh, How do we start protecting LGBTQ uh, people from being outed or exposed, right? It's a personal process. I think there are a lot of things internally that can be done to also really show that you you care deeply about um, equality. So now, you know, on the external facing comms, it's interesting, you know, because I feel like advertising in recent years has been very much about um, the accepted segments. Um, and um, I would like to see um, more change. Um, so I do think, you know, there's an effort to be made around uh, trans visibility uh, in advertising overall. And uh, just like you guys mentioned, interse- intersectionality, I'm sorry, accent. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's super important at this stage. Um, it kind of breaks my heart to realize how much progress the LGBTQ community has made it's in such a short amount of time, and to see that the Black American community is still struggling, struggling with so many issues. So uh, I think we have to be more focused on the issues um, to make sure that we're going to see uh, to see change. Um, and as a brand, you know, there are obviously different ways to, to show that. So we talked about internally, uh, advertising, but I think also we have to look at our products and how we create products that feel really inclusive, um, inclusive uh, themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. From the packaging, from the platforms, from the features, how do we make sure that everyone can feel welcome and will never feel alienated um, on you know on your platform or when they experience your product? So. Um, we're lucky, you know, at NIRA we created a super inclusive and supportive uh, community. Um, and I think the beauty industry really needed that. You know, it, it can be really just about the appearances. And we created a forum where, you know, people can actually have this, you know, weird conversation and feel, you know, supported by um, other members of the community that self-identified, um, you know, like, like
4: them.
2: That's great. Yeah. I think also rigel um before we i want to start to get into our q a um but i'd love your quick um view on um what's you know systemic change and what's next what where do you see us going from here
11: um well i think we've brought up a few times about how important the trans community's struggles are at this time and i definitely think over history the lgbtq movement has focused on specific issues for with a lot of attention for specific periods and definitely i think the trans community is the community that needs all of our attention and resources and fighting power Um, and i think in general um systemic change you know people are saying like pride tm is cancelled this year and um, i think for brands it's really important to recognize that um millennials and gen gen z are really paying attention and watching for the way that brands move and the signals that they're putting out there um and cancel culture culture sucks but it shows that there's accountability and that people are going to speak out which that's really important so i think it's a an opportunity in that brands can show how they actually are gonna put their money where their mouth is hiring people um You know, not just selling a shirt where 5% of profits go to a nonprofit, but actually doing something substantial that has a real clear signal behind it. Um, So I think there's many ways to do systemic change. And um, I think this year is really putting to the test how we're going to do it and um, the decisions that we're making.
2: I love, uh, you know, when you say cancel culture is actually accountability. I really like the way you phrase that because I get asked about that a lot. And as it's a negative, and it's like, actually, the world is holding you accountable for who you what you're putting out there. It's kind of brilliant. So we have a lot of questions in a very limited time. The first question I'm going to take is about the trans community, because I think that's come up quite a bit here. And the question is, what are the biggest obstacles trans people face in the workplace? And how can companies work to make offices safe for trans workers? Um, Michaela you want to take this? I mean, you, sure. you're all about trans Thank employment. You.
9: Thank you. Well, is. first of all, I want to say that um, You know, it's uh, the transgender community is the intersection of all races and um, ethnicities. So, uh, um, and I feel that, um, you know, companies can not only should they be giving, um, you know, changing their hiring practices to where the people hiring are really familiar with interviewing trans people because that's really if, in, in the, in the crux of it, what will happen is so that the trans person might be the number one candidate that's being interviewed. But if the person interviewing them uh, is worried about how they're, they're going to integrate this person into their company, then they're not going to hire them, even if they're best. So our unemployment rate is three to four times that of the rest of the community. And I feel it starts with hiring, but the next step, is to give people a level playing field to, to achieve. We don't want just want people hired into entry-level jobs. We want a true, a true level playing field that someone's talents are respected like everyone else's and they have a real voice.
2: I love that. Um, I'm going to jump to, um, this is a great question too. And, uh, you know, Michaela, please make sure you share your organization because I think there's a lot of interest in helping trans employment, Um, I Mm -hmm. hope. So one of the questions is, um, that's the biggest thing about change in the corporate world. All the people at the very top are white men. So... It's great to have targets for people who work in the company, but how can we make changes at the top? The million-dollar question. Who wants to take that? Benjamin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that um, it's important to realize that a lot of, you know, straight white dudes can also have pretty high, you know, EQ. We have to acknowledge that. You have a lot of allies in the corporate world, first thing. So again, it's really about you know guiding them and making the organization more inclusive. As you guys mentioned, we're all diverse, you know. I think that's just you know like the baseline. Um, but approaching you know recruitment culture very intentionally is really uh, key, and having these tough, you know, uncomfortable conversations is going to be also um, very important. So. I think, I mean, what we've done uh, at MIRA, we created different forums, whether it's all hands or, you know, we created a new forum that is called uh, social justice, it's quarterly, you know, meeting with the entire team, where we really tackle, you know, these issues head on, where everyone at every level of the organization has a voice and it's really a safe space and it's really showing, you know, the leadership team different sides, you know, of the, of the puzzle. So I would say, again, you know, we always come from a place where we've lived this forever. So we know the struggle. We know what it is. But the reality is that we need to continue to educate people. And we can only do that through, you know, a, uh, an open, non-defensive dialogue. So it's proven very effective on my end to do that. And I can only encourage you guys to do the same.
2: Non-defensive is the key because you come at it from a different, you're open. And when open, when you're open, there's opportunity for change, but education is it. And there is one question uh, that that asks, asks, what are good resources for education towards progress? Um, and how can we be sure to have conversations without making marginalized communities the token educators? And I think everybody on this panel has been that token person in the room that speaks for an entire community. You didn't even realize you had to represent speak for um, so good. So, does anybody want to raise their hand? And I can just say that, like, find an organization that you love. GLAD is one of them. If you're if if you're wanting to support LGBTQ, if you're wanting to support Black Lives Matter, if you're wanting to support disabilities, people with disabilities, um, look for organizations that you like and join them. Become a member, and they have resources. There's so many resources. Um, I, that's one way I know. to to get educated and to participate. Anybody have any other um, thoughts on that? All right. So then um, there was one question. I'm just going to wrap it up because I want to really be clear about this. Someone said, are people really falling back on unconscious bias? And I don't think people are falling back. But I do think... uh, You know, it's just like your children at a level. If you have an expectation of them cleaning their room, then hopefully they're going to clean their room and you're going to teach them along the way how to do that, right? But when they're 15 and you're still teaching them, you know? So I think it's, we've talked about unconscious bias. I think it's on people and not us to be tokenized to educate everyone, but do it in a, and and I agree with you, Benjamin, in a lovely way. But and bring people along, but people have to be held responsible and people have to educate themselves. Um, And so I think unconscious bias is real. I didn't mean to at any level um, devalue that, but I think we've named it and and people need to educate themselves about it and now undo that and unwork that. And it takes time. Any last thoughts or comments? We are at one o'clock. Well, I want to say thank you for having me. I um, usually am on the other side of this moderating thing, so this was a new role for me. I really enjoyed it. What stars. Thank you, Adweek, and thank you, Pride Stars. What a wonderful, wonderful event.
7: Thank you, Sarah Kate.
3: Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts.